0: I think that's my call to action for everyone who might view this video, is if you see a gap, you are empowered to fill it. So you could reach out to organizations and partner with them to collaborate on generating data sets. These kind of partnerships are already happening, particularly in the healthcare space, particularly in diverse community representations. There are opportunities out there to fill the data desert. It is a big desert, but we're gonna fill it, water it one step at a time.
1: I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project focus data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from firsthand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Welcome to Data Futurology. Today I'm sitting down with a very, very special guest, Stella Solar. She is the director for National Artificial Intelligence Center. Stella, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you going?
0: I'm going great. Great to see you again, Felipe. It's been a while since the uh, Advancing AI Conference.
1: That's it, yeah, and it was uh, such a great conference. And um, having having you kick off the event as a keynote speaker was was excellent. And um, I had you know all the way to the end of day two, and afterwards, people telling me about how much they enjoyed your presentation. So thank you so much. Uh, for, oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, I'm looking
0: forward to the Sydney one. So awesome, awesome to be there with the community.
1: Yeah, that'll be great. So that's end of end of August, August 30th in uh, in Sydney. Looking forward to the next Advancing AI. Event, thanks so much. Um, so I was wondering if we could if we could start by covering your um, your role and your remit at the moment. I think it's such such an impressive um, and fantastic um, you know opportunity that you're taking. And uh, so please, yeah, tell us tell us about your your role and your remit at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it is a fantastic opportunity. Um, I'm super excited about it. I've been in the role for about four months. So I lead the National AI Center that's hosted by CSIRO. And it's an opportunity to really amplify the great work that's being done in Australia already in the space of AI. Um, Previous to this, I come from the technology space. So um, for 10 years, I was with Microsoft. And uh, before that, I was with Ingram Micro, and then Express Data, which is a division of Dimension Data, and then for several um, startups before then. And so I've been in the tech space for a while and I've seen how the momentum is really picking up. Mm. And uh, I've always been drawn to the transformative technologies. So I was right there when the cloud solutions were picking up. And then uh, IoT, that was an area that I was involved in. And uh, now AI is really the wave that is going around the world and uh, Australia has such phenomenal talent already in AI, and such a great track record that I really wanted to be a part of the momentum to get it to the next level.
1: Oh, fantastic! And I'm, I'm, I'm keen to ask you way more uh, about about the, the work that you guys are doing now. Before we jump in, I wanted to ask you how was how was your time overseas? How was it? Um, yeah, how was how was that time that you spent um, abroad?
0: I loved it. And I think it was, um, as part of my career growth, I wanted to have more adventures and try new things. And so I was drawn to the opportunities that um, the international technology community provided. Um, And I moved to the US, um, I joined Microsoft there. I was also adventuring. You know, I had a fantastic opportunity to explore the world and travel as part of a global role. Mm-hmm. And so for me, technology has always been very closely connected to a sense of adventure. And I think I, I lived that in my um, approach to my career, to my life, and also in my day to day work. I'm, I'm enjoying that cutting edge. Um, what I definitely noticed moving from Australia to the US is that the technology firms in U.S. have a much deeper footprint, many more people in the mm-hmm. industry and many different types of roles. And so I was really fortunate that moving to the headquarters um, of Microsoft in the U.S., I got exposure to many different kinds of roles that I may not have seen in Australia in the tech space.
1: Interesting. Uh, what, what, what were some of those types of roles? That's super mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I think there were many more product planners. There were many more engineers and developers. There were many more technology researchers who were driving cutting edge research. Um, Now, since I've come back, uh, I've definitely realized that we have that capability as well in Australia. It is growing. um, And I think that growing momentum is what I want to help accelerate even further.
1: Uh, I love it. That's great. Um, yeah, with, with the, the career and the experience and trajectory that you had, plus being able to see how things are done in, in other countries, uh, that's, that's a great combination to, um, you know, to come back and, and help us move this uh, capability forward.
0: Yeah, and I've been really fortunate because uh, in my previous roles, I have seen the global perspective of how AI is being developed um, and implemented around the world by different organizations across industries. And so now I'm really looking forward to leveraging those experiences back in Australia to really help both the, the adoption of AI and the creation of new AI in, in our um, Australian economy.
1: Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I noticed that... Uh, uh... A few of your uh, of the last few roles that you had at Microsoft, they were they were mostly global roles, and then uh, the last one there, you spent um, a fair bit of time in the AI space as a global director. So that's that's amazing. Um, no, that's great. And, and
0: it's always um, it's actually an interesting perspective having a global view, and uh, quite often, you know, coming from Australia, I would think about. Where is Australia sitting right now in my holistic global business? And um, Australia has a, a great reputation for leading cloud adoption mm-hmm. um, in uh, cloud adoption in general. But yeah. when it comes to AI, we're not actually leading. We're a little bit behind the general momentum in the world. And so this is a really unique area to explore. Why are we leading in general cloud adoption, but lagging in AI adoption, especially when we have such strong AI research that's uh, very highly ranked in the world? Um, Australia's AI research is ranked fifth in the world, and that is a phenomenal place to be considering a country of our size. So it's an intriguing puzzle for me to figure out how I can best support the industry in Australia to help each business harness the benefits um, of AI in a responsible and inclusive way. And what I'm discovering as well is there is a tremendous opportunity to actually help every Australian make the most of this transformation in the world, this uh, uh, digital transformation, this AI transformation. It really is a wave that we want to help more Australians ride through to the next stage.
1: Uh, that's phenomenal. Yes, that, that's that's inspirational, and that's exactly the the type of conversation that we should be having uh, in Australia. That that is great. Um, and and currently, do you have any any um, forming hypotheses on on what could be the some of the reasons where we where we that are maybe helping us or. Keeping us a little bit behind on the um, on the AI adoption and making use of it, getting the value from it. There's, there's a there's a big there's a big community. There's a lot of interest. There's really good research. Um, do you have any any early hypotheses on on areas that we could do better in?
0: It's a very rich topic area. So by no means uh, have I figured it out or do I have all the answers. Um, there are probably there are probably three things that are on my mind right now that I'm noticing. One is um, skills. So we do have capability in Australia. We just need more of it. And in fact, the whole world needs more of the capability in digital and in AI. So I think skills is one area to to take a look at. Another area is that throughout time uh, since technology has been building in momentum most of the investment in technology engineers and developers by some of the large technology companies has been typically in the US or some of the other um, major development centers and we haven't had as much exposure in Australia to really help nurture that talent pool and momentum And then a, a third thing that's really on my on my mind is and I experienced this myself living in in Seattle, There is the factor of tech cities. Tech cities have a critical mass of people who have uh, a common language to help share ideas and accelerate those ideas further. So if I would go to um, a supermarket or if I would go out for dinner or for a coffee, uh, even working from a coffee shop on my laptop by and large, the person next to me is probably going to have been from the tech industry. That's just what Seattle felt like. Everyone around was working in tech. I imagine similar experiences in Silicon Valley and other tech centers. And so what ends up happening is that when you have uh, uh, technology conversations or AI conversations with the person next to you, they understand what you mean, and then they take that conversation further. My experience so far coming back to Australia has been, when I have AI conversations with the person next to me in, in the real world, they typically aren't that deep in AI or technology, and uh, quite often the conversation is at the base level of what does AI even mean. And I think this is uh, an element to, for us to be aware of, that uh, tech cities can actually help innovation. Our cities, though, do not have that critical mass yet of technical expertise. However, The strength that I've found is in the diversity of our cities. Our cities have many different industries, many different roles, many different people coming together. And I think this is a strength we want to embrace so that when we build technology, it is diverse and it is inclusive from day one. And I think that's the strength in Australia's uh, current landscape of technology is that we have every opportunity to be responsible, inclusive and diverse in how we approach technology from day one.
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, to identify the strengths, double down on them. Identify what we can, uh, what we can do better, and expand, um, and then help help drive that that conversation and that focus. Yeah. Uh, and
0: if uh, if other people who might see this video, if you have other ideas or thoughts on on uh, what might be uh, happening in terms of Australia's strengths or opportunities in AI, um, I, I, we would love to hear from you. And if there's an opportunity to to comment, please share your comments with us.
1: Uh, fantastic, and we'll we'll put the um, the email of uh, and the National AI Center at, um, in the in the show notes for that. That is great. And you've covered so much ground in in the four or five months that you've been in this role. Um, what are some some surprises, or maybe some some things that you didn't expect um, coming coming into the role that you've that you've discovered in in your time so far?
0: I didn't realize how many amazing things Australia had invented. Mm -hmm. I think that has been um, the the biggest. um, It's not even a surprise because I've I've always known Australians are amazing. We have fantastic skills, a great education uh, system, and and, um, Australians have a strong reputation internationally Mm -hmm. in terms of contributing to the global um, technology industry. But coming back and going deeper into some of the discoveries, I am amazed every day. You know, our strength in robotics and, uh, you know, we, we just want the, the Data61 robotics team one second in the world for the DARPA robotics challenge. And it's a subterranean challenge, wow. so, you know, underground um, search and navigation Um with uh, robots. Uh, I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, I also think about um, discovering that Australia invented the bionic eye. I did not even know that Australia invented the bionic eye. And so there you go. Um, And, uh, you know, we're also, um, what I just heard is a second in the world for computer vision, machine learning, computer vision. I mean, that is tremendous. Um, If we just focused in on that, you know, we're second, if we focused in, could we be first? Like that is a real question that I quite often have is if we championed our capability, if we really were aware of it and all supported it as a country, um, as each individual person being aware of the strengths, would that ticket it right over that edge for us to really be the leader um, in AI in the world and in particular embrace the responsible and inclusive AI opportunity. Um, In fact, it it was also amazing for me to to learn that Australia was amongst the first in the world to actually publish the Australian AI ethics framework. So it was in 2019. And that's literally when the first ethics frameworks uh, were coming out. I think there was maybe another one or two countries that did it at the same time. So we have this strength and this first mover advantage and this innovation um, core to ourselves that... I'm just excited to see where we could take it next. And that's what I want to help accelerate to the next level so that we do reach that next level that we very well can. Oh, that's amazing.
1: That's phenomenal. Um, so definitely, definitely, we—we. We, it sounds like we're doing well from from a, a research perspective, from advancing the field um, and, and creating those, those innovations. Uh, what about then... Um, Try, uh, taking those innovations uh, into different applications, into, into different industries, uh, areas like that. What, what have you seen in that space so far?
0: Yeah, and this is where I think our biggest opportunity is. Mm-hmm. Um, I will share with you a statistic that, you know, I, I don't quite know how to understand myself. And it's, um, uh, I'll, actually, I will compare two numbers. Um, when we look at some of the global figures around AI adoption, the number, depending on the report you look at, the number is anywhere between, you know, fifty to eighty percent of the world's organisations are um, somewhat um, applying and adopting uh, AI technology. Uh, in fact, the KPMG report, um, the State of AI, says that it's about fifty-six percent of organisations are adopting AI. Now, the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, surveyed seven thousand. Uh, Australian organizations Mm -hmm. and found the number is 2% of organizations who said they were using AI. Now that number is incredibly challenging to understand because, uh, I mean, you probably as well as myself, we know quite a number of organizations who are trying to use AI and it uh, feels higher than 2%. But I think what it indicates is that the people who are responding, uh, probably were not aware of what their organization was doing in terms of AI. And to me, this is actually a biggest signal of how strategic AI is to Australian businesses. And so is it a, a pilot project for a team or some uh, developer having a passion and trying new AI work or a data scientist uh, building a new model for maybe um customer recommendation, Mm. uh, it might be in these pockets across the organization, but not quite connected into the core of the strategy. And I think that's where there is a big opportunity for Australian businesses is to think about how AI can help the the core value and differentiation of their organization. And I think of it in, in four different ways that every business has an AI opportunity in terms of how they engage with their customers mm-hmm. to create these amazing customer experiences. They also have an opportunity to um, provide tools and empower their employees. So how do you make your employees and your people do their best work? Um, there's also an AI opportunity in terms of operations Um, How do you do, um, maybe there's some automation opportunity there or quality, um, uh, quality anomaly detection opportunity there. And then in terms of creating new products and services, that's a fourth area. How can AI help you create new products and services? So, Every business has this opportunity um, to to think about AI as core to that to their strategy, and that's, I think, where Australian business has a particularly large opportunity ahead of us.
1: Oh, that is that is fantastic, um, and yeah, I really like looking at it from from that lens of a business having the the four areas where uh, AI can be applied. Um, the statistics you shared that that is yeah, like bit mind blowing, a bit. Mind-blowing, a bit um, yeah, and and um,
0: do you and if you, if you don't mind, if I can um just mention one more thing about that statistic. Yeah. So two percent in general hmm. um, is out of seven thousand businesses surveyed. Now Australia has a very large um, number of small and medium businesses. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, And in fact, even if you look at our medium sized businesses, compared to some of the larger markets in the world, even the medium size may be seen on the smallish size Mm -hmm. and compared Mm -hmm. to some of the global companies. And so um, there is an opportunity for us to help small and medium business be successful with AI, uh, because there is a lower likelihood that a small business would have their own dedicated investment in developers Mm -hmm. or their own dedicated investment in data scientists And when I look at the guidance and the messaging in in the market today about AI, it is very high level. It is around AI opportunity and adoption and data science opportunity. It doesn't actually translate it into what it means for small business and how would they even explore this opportunity for them when they do not have an investment in data science or developers. And so, because Australia has such a large number of small and medium businesses, I think our AI opportunity also looks a little bit different, and that's also probably reflected in that uh, in that two percent, because by and large, small medium business needs a different path to AI than potentially what a large business would have, where the majority uh, where, where they would actually have developer data science investment. In fact, a a really uh, surprising figure is um, Goldman Sachs that twenty five percent of their employees worldwide are in the area of computer science and computer engineering. That's 25% of their organization, and they're not a
1: technology
0: (laughs) for a bank, right? And so you think about a small business, they would never have a quarter of their employees in those kind of roles. So it's really different conversations. And um, I think as a tech industry, we we have uh, work to do there to really support small business and medium business across Australia to embrace AI.
1: Wow. Definitely, definitely, and that's and that's a, a completely different paradigm to what we're what we've been working towards so far. Where at the moment we uh, we seem to have um, in larger co- larger companies we have a, a small or medium sized team of data scientists which get you know their work largely um, prioritized at an enterprise level if the The reach of the data scientist is at an enterprise level because as you were mentioning before, sometimes it's at a POC uh, stage or just an introduction stage. But for the ones that are more mature, they have this kind of like this one team that's that's working through prioritized tickets, essentially, and uh, those areas of focus looking to get value from them. And this is this is flipping the the table completely in terms of um, yeah how, how do you see this looking uh, people working on on services that can be um, more easily available easily integrated there might be some some tech uplift there um, any any initial thoughts on on there, there's definitely a complete paradigm shift um, but any initial thoughts on what the, the the new world could look like if we do focus on on serving a large number of small to medium businesses
0: yeah and um... In fact, uh, there's an indication that about uh, 60% of Australians' uh, businesses are looking for how to start with AI. So it's really the first steps. And I think um, uh, we have an opportunity to focus on that. And at the National AI Centre, we are going to focus on helping business, um, especially small and medium business, figure out those early low-hanging fruit use cases that are going to generate the return on investment for the business. So which ones are the first ones that make sense? So we'll be focused on defining some of those in order to help those organizations who want to take the first steps. I think there's also a second um, opportunity, which is for us to uh, create that path and Mm. paint the picture of what does uh, AI adoption look like for small business. And a lot of it would look like probably procurement conversations or technology conversations with their technology vendors or licensing suppliers. Um, There is probably conversations for small business to have with the ecosystem they're already working with about how technology could be adopted. So if I think about um, if a small or medium business is currently using RPA, a robotics process automation solution, the AI services in there, they're quite often optional they are not uh, in there by uh, default from the start. And so, had the small or medium business um, know that, that they could actually ask their RPA provider for what are the AI services they could use? And that straight away would start bringing some AI technologies. Um, then if I think about uh, maybe CRM solutions, um, so some of them, obviously, customer relationship management, uh, CRM is super important, there are extensibility options there to bring in more AI services and modules into that environment to create better experiences for customers. And so, again, has the small and medium business had that conversation yet with their technology provider of the CRM solution around how AI could light up new value for them within the CRM? So, I think it's paving the path towards those conversations with technology suppliers, um, during the procurement discussion, during licensing. And if those suppliers of technologies don't have a good answer on how AI can be connected, then that becomes a buying decision point for the small and medium business. Is that the supplier they want to use or do they want to go towards someone else who is investing in the latest technology that can help their business?
1: Great, great. Oh, I love that. that's that's a, um, it's a it's a small change to the the work processes, but it can create such huge gains in terms of the the adoption of AI and the value that businesses can get from it just by increasing that awareness and asking the question. That's
0: yeah, the- and that's on the adoption side. Um, the other group that I, I want to really address in the smaller and medium, business area is the innovators, the creators, the new technology development um, businesses, which are really on the cutting edge. So they're not really thinking about adopting AI for their internal work or for their customers, but they're designing new products. And obviously, the sky's the limit for AI adoption there. And you obviously want to have that in-house development technology capability for those purposes. But yeah, what, what I was speaking about before is particularly organizations who want to adopt AI um, for their own business um, operations, maybe for operations or for their employees or for their customers, um, but they may not necessarily be producing new technology. It's mm-hmm. more to run their existing business.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's and that's where uh, we see or we're going to see the majority of the value being created by by the adoption of having having AI being used in as many businesses as possible in, in every industry ideally, and in almost like in every nook and cranny of the organization have a, have a bit of AI machine learning. They are helping um, making things uh, easier, better decisions, automation, et cetera.
0: Yeah, very um, much so. And I think what we're seeing is um, over time, many roles um, will become adjacent roles for AI, meaning that, uh, AI will become a part of our day-to-day and uh, we will not even notice that we're using AI. It will just become part of the tools that we use. And already I experienced this. um, Everyone I think that is watching this has experienced it. You might already be getting, you know, predictive text recommendations. That's a basic one. But even at work, Slide design in PowerPoint when I'm designing a slide, slide designer comes up on the right. And I'm a terrible designer of slides. So I'm thankful every day that this designer suggests how I should lay things out. But that's the way that AI is coming into my work where I'm not even noticing it's AI, it's connected into the tools that I work with every day.
1: Ah, that's excellent. 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 Thank you so much. I also wanted to um, ask your thoughts on, on the, the area of responsible AI and ethical AI. Um, you mentioned that we had the, um, you know, the uh, kind of like a first mover advantage in terms of Australia being one of the first in the in the world to to release our, our guidelines and principles, which is which is fantastic. And where where do you think we can we can go from here? Where's, where's the next big opportunity for Australia to to focus on when it comes to responsible
0: AI? Yeah, so in in 2019, the AI uh, Ethical Framework, uh, Australia's AI Ethics Framework uh, was released with uh, eight principles. And um, what's intriguing to see is the momentum picking up from there. So we had the uh, ACOLA report that was released that really highlighted the importance of, again, ethical AI. Then the Australian Human Rights uh, Commission also released a report of how important it is for Australians to have AI that they can trust. And so the, the topic and this area of responsible AI has definitely been accelerating in Australia. And the frontier that we're at today is making it real through tools and practice mm-hmm. and so i think that's also where um well, we as as national ai center are helping to bridge that path from the principles over into the tools, the practice. Um, What does it actually look like? And there are already a tremendous um, number of tools out there that are starting to be released that really help um, understand and interpret AI models that help uh, ensure that um, there isn't bias in data, that are ensuring privacy and security. So, there are great toolkits already being developed. There are a lot more to be created in order for us to really reach that full spectrum of responsibility across the eight principles. And I think that's where we're at. It's how do we make the tools to make the principles something that can actually be embedded and invoked in our AI systems?
1: Yeah, very, very nice. Yes, I agree that that's, that's where the, uh, the, it feels like that's where the industry is at the moment in terms of applying the principles and finding ways to, To make that um, embedded into our workflows and the the way that we create AI, the way that we talk about it, um, having those those decisions there really embedded.
0: and many of the, you know, the leading technology vendors around the world who have AI services have started creating some of those tool sets. Um, there are also many research organisations in Australia who are also making those tool sets. Um, and uh, even at uh, Data61, we have uh, amongst the largest investment in responsible AI researchers. There are fifty responsible AI researchers uh, at Data61. And they are uh, focused on this. It's about applying responsible AI, making it real. So um, the momentum's picking up, and I, I'm, I'm excited what's to come over the over the next couple of years.
1: Ah, uh, that's excellent. That is that is really great. Yeah, we definitely need uh, improvement in in the AI techniques in terms of explainability. Uh, we need to be able to um, have the. The policies and the frameworks, and be able to make sure that that's being followed, make that auditable. There's kind of like a whole infrastructure there that's that's required. Um, super, super exciting. One of one of the areas uh, that I, I I personally have found a bit tricky in in responsible and ethical AI is the um, sometimes not having the right data for what you're trying to improve. So for example, um, at the moment, I, in my day job, I work in healthcare. What we're trying to do is improve people's health. There's, we don't have data on people's health. What we do have is a, a poor proxy, which is their healthcare spend that a health insurer would pay for. And it doesn't mean that you know, somebody that um, spends more is necessarily less healthy that somebody and if somebody spends less doesn't necessarily mean that they're more healthy, um, and and at the moment we 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 use kind of like this poor proxy to try and see what type of support people need in in their healthcare, and um, yeah that this kind of like it's a bit of a of a blurred line into into kind of responsible AI that um, on one hand there's the, the privacy side and um, and and accessing people's data or making it available with consent and for a particular purpose. They're all important principles that that, that we want. Um, but then highlighting the benefit that we could give somebody with access to the data, it's kind of a, a, a chicken and egg sometimes that, um, yeah, sometimes not we... My, my point is that sometimes we don't have the... It feels like sometimes we don't have the, the data to be able to do the the right level of of AI recommendations to have an impact in somebody's life, and um, and that because of that we get caught in um, in ethical um, troubles sometimes. Where, for example, in the in the US, they've they've um, had they've discovered a lot of biases in healthcare um, uh, support when healthcare spend is used as a proxy because it's a reflection of sociodemographic um, indicators instead of somebody's health. So there's there's kind of a bit of blur lines there, but definitely a yeah.
0: space. And there's kind of two things to it, right? Which is uh, you spoke about the bias in data that we have. Mm. And then the data that we don't have, there are data deserts out there because we've just never collected that data. And because there are data deserts, it means that, there is a risk that our models and assumptions may not be accurate or we may not even be able to make assumptions because there's not insufficient data. So it's, um, yeah, it it is a fascinating area. It's uh, bias and then data deserts as well. What I love is the example when it comes to bias. I love the example of um, EY, Ernst & Young, Mm -hmm. and uh, they have a solution that is a loan approval solution that they provide to banks. Mm -hmm. And their solution, like you know, all solutions in the world, are using some kind of a algorithm that is based on data. And through history, I think we can all agree, our history has not been uh, equitable for all. We have uh, we're we have had um, a very uh, challenging pasts, and uh, you know, for example, women haven't had the vote, or various populations have been discriminated. So our Past is very biased. And if you look at the data back from there, now that bias in historical data continues to be with us today. And so, what, what Ernst and Young found was that their loan approval methods, because they were based on historical data, they were actually biased. Mm-hmm. And they found using the Fair Learn machine learning toolkit, Mm -hmm. they found that there was a 7% bias where women were getting 7% disadvantaged in their loan approvals than men. Now they use that same toolkit to actually reverse the bias and take it out. And so from 7% they've gone to I think it's a um, 0.3% it's less than yeah it's less than one. Um, And they continue to refine that. So it's fascinating that the AI picked the bias that we could not see because we as a society, we are navigating so many biases as humans, as society, through cultures. And so AI has this tremendous opportunity to actually help us uncover our own bias and counterbalance it, like in this EY example. And I'm, I'm so um, happy that EY had invested to do that. There are biases all around us. EY just took some action on it, which was fantastic. Um, and then I think about the data deserts that you mentioned. Uh, as I was talking with, a uh, A researcher who was building vision models Mm -hmm. he was really passionate about who um who object recognition models could serve and he really thought about uh potentially people with vision impairment could benefit from some ai technologies but then if you take the step further. Quite often models are trained on perfect images. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted to build a a model that could recognize fruit, you would probably feed it a whole lot of fruit images and the fruit would be, you know, in the center or in the photo, it would be in focus and you would train the model. But this researcher was really telling me that if a person with vision impairment would take a photo of a fruit bowl to see what was in the fruit, Mm -hmm. it may be a blurry photo They may not even center it, the fruit may be cut. And so even how we're training these models, the, the data desert in terms of representing the diversity is incredibly challenging in itself. And what I'm really happy to also hear is there are many community organizations around the world, research organizations, civic organizations who are aware of this and are actively filling the gap. And I think that's my call to action for everyone who might view this video is if you see a gap, you are empowered to fill it. So you could reach out to organizations and partner with them to collaborate on generating data sets. These kinds of partnerships are already happening, particularly in the healthcare space, particularly in diverse community representations. There are opportunities out there to fill the data desert. It is a big desert, but we're going to fill it, water it one step at a time.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I think that is a Excellent, excellent note to to end on between, you know, um, an AI tool to recognize bias and then decreased bias, and then a a call to action to to start watering the the data deserts. And additionally, as we spoke about before, you you also highlighted how to start with with AI. Look at the four areas in your your organizations, Um, think about how uh, AI can be applied in those areas and have conversations with your technology suppliers around where they use AI and how can they use AI and um, if they don't, look at alternatives. I think oh, we've covered so much, so much ground. Stella, We're, thank you so much. Sorry, go.
0: Yeah, we've covered a lot. And, um, you know, as a, as a closing point, my role at the National AI Centre is to make every business in Australia successful with AI. It's also to make every Australian have an opportunity to be part of the AI momentum. And so if you have insights for us on what we could do better to support you, we would love to hear from that
1: amazing thank you thank you so much thank you so much for your time and for all the great work you do
0: thank you everyone
1: that brings this episode to conclusion thank you so much for listening please find us on datafuturology.com or on facebook twitter linkedin or instagram as datafuturology also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes if you liked this episode it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you thanks again and see you next time